left in the middle of recording <laughs> motherfucker all right hold uh, on guess i'm co-host this happened, this happened last time too when we were on when we were doing the quiet place episode i have to do this ridiculous thing where i have to like join on my phone get the code or like the meeting room and the yes yeah, and that's then log in on one. the computer if you Who's want crazy? next time cody i can just send you the things hey welcome back cisco even though i already hit fucking record yeah, because it fucking said. Uh, it, I don't know why the first one is leave meeting. Why isn't the yeah. first? One? Oh, I, I hate. I hate when they do that. I hate how that's like the first option. On it, the got I, it got me this time. It got me this time. I was going to push continue, but then I forgot that it's on the right, not the left, for some dumb reason. All right, I know. Hey, everybody! This is the Pokemon podcast where we talk about Pokemon <laughs> and Pokemon asses. Jesus Christ! No, this is the horror throwdown podcast, Brendan Fraser edition, where we talk about a Brendan Fraser movie. Then we pair it with a horror movie released in that same year and see if Brendan Fraser would survive in said horror movie. Um, that was Cisco Navarro, the idiot you just heard. I'm Justin Kincaid. Producer Trunks is silent. And with us today is a guest back by popular demand, newfound father, Cody Riley. Uh, thank you to the five followers that asked for me to come back. Hey, You had a couple of people who asked for you. Mostly it was everyone in our group chat. But Yeah, so. everyone here. That's fine. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> I like how you slowly... You slowly like hinted that you had, you were watching the movies you were doing, or like I guess. No, to be Cody fair, to be fair, Joe and I talked about it, but it's his fault for not talking to you about it. I mean, that's fine. I liked it. I'll take it. Yeah, we have a lot of different text threats going on, <laughs> so <laughs> it's pretty hard to keep up. It's okay, every while, time I'm on I the show, I I'm I'm one step closer to taking Joe's spot. That's fine. I'm okay with that. There was a couple of threads where Trunks was silent for a couple of days, and I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <You know? laughs> But uh, today we are doing the year 2013 and the films we chose are the Brendan Fraser led Pawn Shop Chronicles and the James Wan directed The Conjuring. Here are some facts about 2013. Same sex marriage was legalized in several states. A study in Canada on the effects of pornography had to be abandoned when researchers could not find any men who had not seen any. Jesus Christ. Jesus. <laughs> uh, a meteor crashed in Russia on February 15th. Go, Russia. Destiny's Child reunited as a part of the Super Bowl halftime show. And, oh, this is a hot one. Justin Bieber also briefly had a pet monkey until he tried to bring the monkey to Germany. And then Customs took said monkey. Justin, what are you doing? I'm, I want to hear more of your opinion on that, Joe. Okay, here's my opinion on that. One time I saw Justin Bieber in like acoustic, like an acoustic show, like Q&A. And then someone in the crowd asked like, what's one thing you can change about like your career? And Justin Bieber said, I wish I still had my monkey. <laughs> Not sure, so I really like how Trunks included that one in there. Um, Trunks is because, a big Bieber yeah. head. Okay. Uh, Cody, what's new with you? Uh, well, I'm a dad, like you said. Yeah, um, I'm getting roughly half as much sleep as I did before. Yeah, um, going back to work this weekend, unfortunately. Yeah, make that money. And Joe, Joe got to meet my baby. First yeah, one, she was weird. Damn. Apologies, she was baby. weird. <laughs> that, she had a weird that baby's no, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> that baby's first <laughs> image of Joe was terrifying. <laughs> Honestly, yeah the the first memory that the little baby had of me was just like me like not wanting to hold her. 
I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I've talked about this on the podcast before. I don't like children. You know, you it's no secret. It's no secret. Okay. <laughs> I don't like kids. I don't care. I think they're ugly. I will say this. Cody's baby is very cute and a very chill, very calm little baby. And Thank I'm happy you. and I'm and I'm happy that she exists. When do I get to fight Trunks? He says he's not a fan of my baby. Joe just sent me a separate text saying I don't like Cody's baby. It looked at I me weird. Say that. <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> um, okay, Trunks, we're not gonna get into the baby fight talk um until maybe later on this episode. But you gotta save that for the baby fight talk podcast. Important question, Cody. Would you ever let yeah. your baby be in a baby geniuses movie? That's a good question. Okay, I still stand by the first Baby Geniuses movie. We all do. Pretty good. We all do. If it's a remake of the first, sure, why not? Of course. Okay. But she's going to be a star. Okay. I mean, I don't know what any of those babies did in the future. (laughs) Trunks, look that up. Don't put it in the chat because that's very distracting. Uh, I think one of them grew up to be Paul Walker. Okay. Um, I'm just going to ignore that. (laughs) Hey, that works. I I did say one of them was Paul Walker. Uh, Jesus Christ! I'm not. I'm not. I'm, yeah. Jeez, I'm not for the guests for the I'm for, the, for the, the non-video the non-podcast people. Right? Trunk said they're all dead. I'm not. I'm cutting <laughs> that. I'm not. I'm. I can't. I can't. I can't sign off on that. I just can't. Um, but who knows? Maybe I will. Okay. You boys want to jump into it? Yeah. Yes. Give us some facts oh. about Pawn Shop. Okay. Pawn Shop Chronicles, baby. Released July 12th, 2003 via Anchor Bay Films, uh, otherwise known as Hustlers in the UK and other territories. In the US, it's only known as Pawn Shop Chronicles. Uh, it was directed by Wayne Kramer, who also directed The Cooler and Running Scared. This movie had a $5 million budget, <laughs> and its total gross was $8,088 in the US. Wow. It had currently Across sits 15 at... theaters, so... Yeah. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> very, very, very limited <laughs> release. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it sits at 18% critics and 36% audience score. And here's a brief description about what Pawn Shop Chronicles is about. It's an anthology of stories involving meth-addicted white supremacists, a man looking for his kidnapped wife, and an Elvis impersonator, who in this movie is played by Brendan Fraser. Um, a couple other little facts about this. Before Wayne Kramer came on to direct, it was originally supposed to be Fred Durst from Limbiscuit fame attached to direct this film. Uh, and this was also the last Paul Walker film released before his death. And <laughs> those are really the only two like production notes I have on this movie because for you know all intents and purposes, this movie does not exist. Yeah, no, the Wikipedia has no plot. No plot. It's I was I was surprised there was even these little facts on um imdb and the other facts were like oh these two people work together on walking dead these two people work together on this that was it (laughs) the only facts and i enjoyed how like 13 out of 26 people found that fact interesting (laughs) (laughs) only half the people i Uh, the cast in this movie is psychotic yeah cody movie that made ten thousand dollars worldwide run run down some of this cast just just pop off some of the people who are in this movie i can't believe paul i will say paul walker being in this movie was you know it's not really a shocker because he wasn't running scared with Wayne, uh, Wayne Kramer. Paul Walker is yep. also a producer on this movie, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, didn't put a lot of money into it, so <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Um, but I 
was surprised to see. I can't remember everybody's names, but there's so many familiar faces in this movie. Um, yeah. Well, Matt Dillon and Elijah Wood, too. Like, how much of this yep. budget went to paying these actors? I have no idea. Because on top of, like, who you said, um, and obviously, like, Brendan Fraser, you also have, you know, Thomas Jane pops up, uh, Chi oh, McBride. Yeah. yeah, I was happy to see Chi McBride for my favorite yeah, show. Yeah, Chi McBride is great in, like, everything. I, I, yeah. I'll, I'll watch him in anything. He's yeah, in. if you guys haven't seen Pushing Daisies, watch that show. Okay. I've actually heard really good things about that show. It's fantastic. It's like a like a mystery slash I don't guess kind of supernatural, but it's good. It's very charming. It has okay. Lee Pace in it. And Lee Pace is a very handsome man. Lee Pace is handsome. Uh let's kinda. see who else is in this. Uh, I wish I was Lee Pace. <laughs> oh uh okay Norman Reedus is in this movie, but you wouldn't know it because he Real never quick, shows his face. I had no idea. It didn't sound like him or, or anything. No. I had to like look it up and I was like, no. I I thought Norman Reedus was in this movie and I was like, oh shit, that's Norman Reedus. So Norman Reedus is featured on the poster, like you see his face, but in the movie he's wearing a mask the whole time. And so I was like, yeah, why? Like just why? Like why did you pay money for Norman Reedus to be in this movie? Well, the writer, the writer of this film, also is one of the writers on Walking Dead, so maybe that's why. Um, actually, no, that's that's exactly the reason why. Um, <laughs> and also Ashley Simpson pops up in this movie for a little bit. Yeah, I didn't even know that she was in this movie. Until like I was watching the credits at the end. I didn't know a lot of you were in this fucking movie. Um, but just like like I said earlier, so it, it's an anthology film with pretty much three main stories. Um, the first one, like we said, it's about a couple of uh, meth addicted white supremacists, and that's where that's the one Paul Walker's in. This one, like this short story, has like a really big, um, like kind of like crank energy like this one felt the most like running scared pretty much these two white supremacists are trying to s- rob the um the meth dealer the second story is matt Dillon, who redeemed himself for us after the crash episode <laughs> he stops at at the said pawn shop and finds a very specific ring that he had made for his wife who had gone missing and then this one this short story is pretty wild because he just goes off the cuffs and then this one just turns into a Saw movie like halfway through. I think this is the most bonkers story out of the three. It's It was so interesting to me because when I was watching this movie, I texted Joe like during the first story. I was like, I'm loving this movie so far. And then when mm-hmm. the second story was going on, I was like, this is so tonally different from the first story. So I was kind of mm-hmm. missing like the... Uh, like the funny and the humor aspect of it because the second story yeah. like was not funny at all. Yeah. Um, and that, that's what I liked about the first one so much is because like, it was so crazy, but it's just like following meth heads, just like saying, well, fuck that guy I hit him with my truck anyway. Yeah. And then just like going to rob a guy and the guy comes back and blows, like, blows a hole through the guy's chest and blows up so, the entire fucking building. So what I'm hearing is you like the story more. The story you like the most is the one of white supremacists. Don't okay. We need to <laughs> got him, boys. We need to we got need him, to boys. We need to cut. To be fair, during the white supremacist story, they realize that they're not true white supremacists. So let's yeah, just say it, that also. It, they just really show how big idiots white supremacists are. Um, yeah, but and yeah. go ahead, Cisco. I say I thought the second was funny. You didn't enjoy Matt Dillon being up Dizzy Harrison in the restaurant. 
Oh, that oh, was Harrison. Like, I forgot that was. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Did DJ Qualls in this movie? Yeah, someone whose yeah. name you don't dizzy. know. I'm gonna call him Dizzy. Someone Harrison whose forever. name you don't know, but you definitely know. Like you've definitely seen him. Have you seen the new oh, guy? Yeah. Do you know I Dizzy? Love, I love you know you know DJ Qualls. Yeah, I thought it was funny because um, he's a skinny ass man. He's like fuck you. He just gets beat. Yeah, like a beefy ass Matt Dillon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so Matt Dillon's trying to find his his missing wife. He ends up finding like he gets a few names. He he gets into some fights in this episode. Um, he finally tracks down someone, and it's Elijah Wood. He walks into the house. He hears moaning to find Elijah Wood masturbating to porn, starring Elijah Wood, uh, <laughs> which, was, which was pretty pretty shocking. Um, and then this is where it turns into like a Saw movie because Matt Dillon knocks him out. Elijah Wood wakes up with hooks pulling his mouth apart, like set up on different points of the room. And then there's a very graphic teeth smashing scene. Oh, it's so visceral. I was, it like, was, it, I was shocked. Yeah. I was not expecting that. And I'm glad nothing about this movie like exists online, like plot details or anything, because I mean, I went into this completely blind. Yeah. It know? was good to be shocked by it. Like not knowing at all what was going to come. Right. And then it's kind of, it, it's revealed that, um, Elijah Woods character like kidnapped these women and kind of like you know rides a line of like maybe potential like sex trafficking or not um, ends up finding his wife the wife is like what is it like Stockholm syndrome yeah 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 um, is like no I have to go back to the place yada yada she ends up killing Matt Dillon uh, and that's the end of the second the second movie or the second story and then the third and final story is about Brendan Fraser is a man named Ricky who is an Elvis impersonator who is down on his luck, uh, doesn't have any money, is trying to give out tickets to his show at the local county fair. Literally, no one wants these free <laughs> tickets. Um, his girlfriend, played by Ashley Simpson, leaves him. So my boy's just on his own. This sequence, to me, played a lot like a Twilight Zone episode um i could see that i was thinking that like a lot of it reminded me kind of like a mel brooks style of like humor with like the two competing um barbershops and like the surrounding people just kind of made it feel like kind of silly like a mel brooks sort of thing yeah it it was silly and just like surreal like what the fuck is happening um because like you know brendan's character you don't know what the fuck is going on he's just trying to get his his you know beard patched up for for the performance um because he is dressed and talks and acts like elvis the entire fucking time he's on screen and so yeah that, that's one of the weirdest fucking sequences of the movie where he he needs to yeah go to the barber shop there's two barber shops right next to each other and he's like i don't know where to go and then one's called doc and he's like can't go wrong with a guy named doc and then it's just really weird and there's people outside fighting over which you know barber's better and then this one kind of deals with, well, I, I guess all the movies kind of deal with it, like the devil and God and like, what are you going to do kind of thing. So pretty much in this one, long story short, he makes a deal with the devil. It's never explicitly said that he's the devil, but it's very, very heavily hinted at. And then once he makes the deal, his really shitty routine of being an Elvis impersonator, which is just playing a tape on a stereo and him just doing the moves, which isn't <laughs> even that good. Um he makes a deal and then it just he he does a performance of amazing grace and then just everyone is just 
in awe of him. So he's pretty much getting what he wants. And it's not really like known what his fate is after that, but he's just kind of like riding the wave of like everyone loving him. Um, so his ending is kind of like open ended. And then, yeah, that's pretty much Pawn Shop Chronicles in a nutshell. So if any of that sounded interesting to you, uh, it's on Amazon Prime. It's it's I had a, I actually had a lot of fun with the movie. It's just a yeah. mess to kind of talk about in the podcast form. Um, just because there's like yeah. so many things like it's not just three stories, but you also like see how they kind of overlap a little bit because you see right. Brendan Fraser's character through all three stories, just like on right. TV or something, which mm-hmm. I will say like, yeah, the, I laughed really hard when it was like him on TV and um, <laughs> the lady was like, who's your um, who are your influences? He's like, uh, the king, king and the king, the KKK. He's like, no, no, that's not that's not what I <laughs> yeah. meant. Yeah. And then he, and then the, my, the other thing that made me crack up is he goes, um, I got one word for you. God bless America. Just yeah. Cracked me up. Um, he, but he was having a lot of fun in this and, and like it shows. Yeah. You know, like he was he was clearly having a blast in his role. Um, I, I was talking to Trunks about this. I'm so fucking sick of anthology movies. <laughs> this is like the sixth one in a row. I feel, yeah, it's like I feel like that's all you've done lately. I don't want to do anymore. So oh, help you. me God. If there's another one on the list, get another get another host for that week. Get a guest host. Trunks, you're on. <laughs> I swear to God, I don't want to watch another fucking anthology movie to say my like for whatever. We can do that. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Um, a couple other notes I wrote down about this movie is that uh did y'all see the bumper sticker on the white supremacist car? I, I want to say I feel like I noticed I, I, it, but I can't remember. I believe it said I didn't rewind it because why would I to get the to get my facts straight? But I'm pretty sure it said <laughs> at least Jesus didn't write Battlefield Earth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely said Battlefield Earth. So I was like, I was okay. like, this is so fucking <laughs> random. And then I thought the back and forth between Paul Walker and the other guy whose name I'm blanking on about the masks to wear yeah. under the robbery. Um, Paul Walker pulls out like a clown mask and he's like, what? It's a mask. And the other guy is like terrified of clowns. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was fun. <laughs> Overall, I, I think, yeah, I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought I was going to. Uh, there's something, I don't know, just kind of like missing about it. Cause I feel like Trunks, like like you were saying, and, and if you want to hop on here, you know, you're really welcome. Um, even though I really, really don't want you to. That like, <laughs> like the writing, or like the directing or, or something is really holding this one back from being like truly great. Uh, but with that being said, you know, for like a B movie with a stacked cast and twists around every corner, you, you could do a lot worse. You know, you, you could watch the air I breathe. Am I right, boys? <laughs> I, uh, one of the things we were mentioning is I feel like even if they had had the budget to just get a few recognizable, like, big name songs in this yeah. it, it could have just given it a bit more energy yeah. it, it almost felt like i a lot of the kind of reviews i was reading of it were saying it was very clearly ripping off kind of a, a tarantino yeah um, that's what i was gonna say like exploitation vibe but it kind of felt like it was doing that without really having respect for the source material um, and I think that's where a lot of this kind of like it, it's on the verge of being something so unique and perfect. Cause like, I, I think the stories here and a lot of the bits here are great, but um, it falls flat, unfortunately. Yeah. I do think that the script 
had like a good start but like it clearly wasn't like fleshed out or finished to where it could have been to make it a great movie i think the writing has most like has the most to do with it um because you do have a lot of good actors in there obviously we're fans of brendan fraser and that's why we're on this podcast and he did great but like even he had some points where i was like this needs a little bit more um i don't know it's it was just like it was so close i think to being so great and it just missed it yeah i mean it had like the shock factor like you know in the second story like that's so bizarre like although elijah wood does a great job of playing some creepy sort of you know stalker you know murderer sort of thing um so i mean like they got a lot of it right just wasn't quite there imagine what this movie would have looked like if fred durst had directed it i i literally don't know where to begin (laughs) is it bad i think it would be better i think it would be great if, if he put in break stuff at the scene where he breaks elijah wood's teeth that'd be fun <laughs> you know <laughs> i enjoy that uh, okay that, that's all i really got to say about pawn shop chronicles uh cisco do you have any anything you want to say about this yeah i enjoyed it uh what did the audience give it you said 36 36 yeah i think yeah, we're I can part agree with that, that 36 <laughs> i think yeah. i think it's definitely better than 18 percent. i think as as it went on I, you know i yeah, i love the first story i actually did like the second story a lot i like the whole you know my boy matt dylan going on just a ass whooping quest yeah. to find out his wife uh, Brendan Fraser's part, it kind of lost me uh, just because it felt the most random. I mean, they were all pretty random, but at least like the first two had like violence and action pack. Because uh, I love that scene in the first one where they all break into the the meth dealer's house and he's like, and he's got a bow and the other guy's got a gun. He's like, I got a gun. What yeah. are you going to do? And they're just like yelling at each other. Vernon comes up and he's got that fucking shiny ass shotgun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Brendan Fraser's story to me on it, I feel bad saying, but that one felt like the least uh, entertaining of them. Obviously, he did a good job as uh, Elvis impersonator. I think the one thing that bugged me is that Elijah's Wood character was still alive. Yeah, yeah. I thought that, that was fucking, I thought that was that stupid, was especially after he said he, he took he got he got fucking fish took. He got beat with a, a morning star, that little fillet, like <laughs> yeah. I think he's called Morning Star. Um, and apparently, he, he, the, he uh, Matt Dillon's character had a, a bloody knife that he carried around all the time, which was stupid. Yeah. But he said that he stabbed him in the heart. And the next time you see him, he's literally just all he has is just like snake bites and a bruised head. I was like, "You got? <laughs> did you get stabbed? Why are you fucking alive, bro?" Like, I think what I got from that, um, I thought it was stupid too. But I think that maybe um, he made a deal with the devil. Like he had a deal with the devil too. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe. That was my thing. That's interesting. Um, just because that, could be that guy kept popping up and everything. Then show me, then show him winking at Elijah Wood to indicate it. Don't just have him come up and then be like, you can come with me. And he like demand like commands all the girls. Like, that was stupid. Like, yeah. That 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 part bugged me off. I was like, great. I was like, so Matt doing yeah. all this and he died, and Elijah Wood just has two piercings and a sweet ass head wound. Nothing else came from it. <laughs> okay. 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 I, I will say it definitely shifted tonally from the rest of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but and that, you know, I liked it. That was like, I think that was my only biggest gripe was like it's that. also. Yeah. I think it's yeah, hard I, to I settled. I, I settled on a three yeah. or five. Cause I just enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, I think two and a half would be too low. 
but a three definitely might be too high. I don't know. I reserve the right to go back and change it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's so. quite a three for me. Um, I also say this is the first Paul Walker movie that Ashland's ever seen, and what? I feel kind of bad. So Jesus like now Christ. we gotta watch. Yeah, we gotta watch a lot. Um, I also real quick, I felt like that the Amazing Grace song went on for <laughs> so damn long. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this just needs to end. Yeah. Um, but I mean, otherwise. Yeah, this is a this is a two hour yeah. movie. They could have made it an hour and a half. Thomas sure. Jane's appearance sure. was super good, in my opinion. Thomas Jane's very brief, good. but still yeah. still effective. You know. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Do you, what are your what, the Brandon Fraser stats? stats on Brendan Fraser stats, baby? Let's uh, go. The neck stack. The neck stat is bad because he took a straight razor to the back of the neck. Yep. And <laughs> all he did was like he didn't, I don't even think he even treated it. He just fucking let the neck nope. heal on its own. That's how strong his neck was. He added his own pair back to his face. Yeah, he has that ability. So he's resilient as hell. You know what I mean? But it took glue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he still um, did it. He was over there trimming his uh, his five o'clock shadow with a bunch of goats. Yeah. You know? Uh, other than that, I mean, I guess his, he's a desperate man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess that makes him willing to do anything. Yeah, he was a... Uh... <laughs> He was he was he was incredibly desperate in the whole yeah. fucking thing. You uh, judge his agility based off his dance moves. He's he's resilient. I guess I'll say that he's resilient. He yeah. was willing to keep going, even after being sliced and kicked <laughs> out of a barber shop. He's like, I'm gonna. He keep was doing willing it, to make a deal with the devil, okay, to get what he wants. I mean, which that's is actually a, yeah, perfect yeah. with what yeah. we're gonna talk about now. Because I'm bringing exactly. it back, boys. Now it's time for the Conjuring. Let's go, Cisco. You're up. Perfect. The Conjuring, 2013. Released July 19th in the U.S., uh, directed by James Wan, and we've talked about many of his movies, especially Saw, uh, written by Chad and Carrie Hayes, who did the House of Wax remake, as well as starred in a Double Mint commercial when they were kids. Okay. <laughs> uh, had a budget of $20 million and made a whopping $319.5 million. I think it was one of the third most successful rated R horror movies. It's got an 86 on Rotten Tomato. Audience is about an 83%, which is pretty cool. Uh, again, we're getting the horror movies that are getting pretty good reviews. Uh, yeah. I think for a while, we we're just hitting the ones that had like 20 and 30s. Yeah, this is Starred, one, of the, one of the best reviewed horror yeah, films, one for of, sure. Yeah, up there. Stars Vera Farmiga as uh, Lorraine Warren and Patrick Wilson as Ed Warren, To I believe uh, Patrick is a demonologist and Vera is... Uh, it's like a clairvoyant, I think. Clairvoyance, yeah, yeah seance communicator. Um, the movie was originally, I guess, supposed to be called The Warren Files. I think The Conjuring is a better name. 100%. Warren Files maybe would have been better for like a TV show, but I'm, yeah, I'm glad The Conjuring because that uh, it's great. Started the Warren absolutely. Files sounds like something yeah. on uh, CBS. Yeah. The Warren Files. <laughs> something this, something this like fall that. On CBS. Uh, also had a handsome man, Shannon Cook, as Drew. Mm. I wanted to bring that up because he was a very handsome man in the movie, and I appreciated that. Okay. <laughs> he was just he was just oozing seventies sex appeal. You talking about the cop? No, uh, the, it's like the, the, their assistant, the Asian uh, assistant, the one who oh, was okay. yeah, yeah. hitting on the daughters after, as they were being haunted. <laughs> yeah. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want me to get into a synopsis, or want me to break into a little facts first? Yeah, well, I, I think it'd be smart to just do a little synopsis first. <laughs> all right, all right, baby. 1970, paranormal investigators and demonologists Lorraine and Ed, Pat- Ed, Wilson, uh, Ed 
Warren are summoned <laughs> to the home of Carolyn and Roger Perron. Perron? Perron? Yeah, they Perrin. were Perron. They never yeah. decided. The parents and their five daughters have recently moved in into a secluded farmhouse where a supernatural presence has made itself known. And that is The Conjuring. That's all, folks, <laughs> for the podcast. Hell yeah. See you next week. <laughs> Obviously, what goes into it? Uh, you got some facts? I do got some facts. I've kind of made it my thing to with movies because I've seen The Conjuring before. So mm-hmm. the movies I've seen before and kind of doing a rewatch, I go and look up interviews with the director, maybe the cast, just to kind of give me a new perspective because honestly the first time i saw the conjuring i was a little bit meh on it the second time around i liked it a lot especially after uh reading uh james wan's interview with the collider.com uh they asked him a couple ones some of the ones that stood out to me was uh he actually wanted a pg-13 rating for this movie and ended up getting an r but the interesting thing is there's barely like any blood little profanity barely any violence it's all the only reason they got an r was purely on like the scare factor which was pretty cool on its own it, it's cool but it's also kind of a like a bullshit thing to get yeah. rated r for just because something's too scary for teenagers yeah. it's well, like at that point it's the it's their own risk to go watch a scary movie anyway they know what they're getting themselves into right think like, about how much more money it could have made if it was pg-13 <laughs> yeah 13, well, 19 I, was <laughs> I, I think that's one of the big things about like just showing like how successful this movie was is that yeah yeah, like there's like no profanity. I think the worst word they say in this is like shit, and they say like, like damn once, shit, yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah to all... be rated to be rated R, like there's there's some blood, but it's never like you never see like any like graphic wounds or anything. Um, yeah, most you see is some yeah. bruising from a uh, an iron deficient Carolyn Perron. Okay, and I mean, <laughs> who doesn't have who doesn't have anemia these days? Well, like look at the look at a quiet place <laughs> the two part two and see how graphic that was basically, and that got a PG thirteen. Yeah. That's doesn't true. make a whole lot of sense. The world has it out for James Wan. He's too successful. <laughs> well, I do think what what's great to me is that yeah, it's, it's R purely for the scare factor. Yeah, and I think that R rating is warranted because this is a fucking scary movie. Yeah, like James Wan, like we we saw like we know my thoughts on Saw. Um, we haven't done the Insidious franchise yet, but I know we're going to. Uh-huh. Um, but in this one, James Wan and his direction is just so fucking good like he knows how to linger yeah and how to build suspense um i i will say i my my jump scare score for this movie was a three and by that i mean the jump scares got me three times yeah um (laughs) but what's what's different about this first conjuring movie versus the rest of this like you know conjuring universe whatever you want to call it is that it's not it's, it's not necessarily reliant on jump scares. Like, yeah, they have them, but, like, when it happens, it's because you hear, like, a sound of things falling, like, in the yeah. background. It's not yeah. something jumping out at you going, like, boo. Like, anytime I mean, they show, like, a... We did have a couple goblin girls jumping off dressers. Yeah, but, but when you see the goblin, yeah, the goblin girls, is that it doesn't do, like, a loud shrieking when you yeah. see them. When you see any of the creatures in this movie, or the demons, he lets it's a score like... It lets, it, the score it, lets, the it lets the camera do the work. Yeah. And the camera just, score. Yeah. I'm glad uh, you said the camera because I I was thinking that during the movie. I was like, the framing uh, yeah. of, of the shots was like so perfect. It's like, it was good, yeah. 
you can see like where they're standing you're like there's gonna be something behind them and it's like i don't care that i have a feeling it's gonna happen it just like looks so perfect yeah. um but also like the zooming that he uses um and a lot of the shots like that kind of like adds the tension a little bit <laughs> i don't know like i just thought it was so genius the way that he like directed yeah. the filmmaking and he's like he is there's not a lot of people better at like launching a franchise than james wan is so yeah. like we just yeah. talked a good about job. Three. we just yeah. talked about three franchises he launched <laughs> you know this man's a machine he will like i'll i'm I'll be a stan of his fucking forever. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, he'd be great. Because he's, like he's proven to me that he's a fantastic, uh, fantastic horror director. Um, but yeah, and he like had one some quote. Of the, some of the shots he like comprised of. Sorry, because this, this one just. Um... No. Okay. That's what the reviews have been saying. Let's <laughs> <laughs> no, continue. This, this, this shot go. of. Uh, <laughs> Is it the overhead shot of our, our walking our boy, Our boy oh. just setting up the, the equipment in each room, like that one tracking shot. Yeah, um, that was actually done all in one take, hmm. like on the soundstage. So the actor just after he did the shot, he ran to the next one, did that. Setup I love and did the I love one, continuous shots like that, yeah. and then when they're done really well, like it's yeah. easy to notice it and just um, appreciate it. Yeah, well, me and you took you know shout out to Mister Rex. <laughs> uh, for, I'm sure he's for listening really to this. like we definitely. I feel like me and you, Cody, too, definitely appreciate a lot of shots. Yeah, and like camera angles and techniques that directors use in movies. Um, yeah, that, that's all I wanted to say. I'm not going to talk anymore. Go ahead, Cisco. You disgusting man. Fuck off. <laughs> no, I like that little. Sorry. Uh, no, I was going to say like one other uh, quote he had in an interview that kind of stuck out to me and changed my whole view on the movie too is that he showed up said like you know obviously haunted houses, uh, possessed houses have been you know, it's a genre that's been done so many times you know amityville horror uh others have come out like sinister insidious too like all those as well i mean there's there's probably more i can name off but he went in there he's like you know i'm not gonna try to reinvent the wheel what i'm doing is just painting a different color that was a great take because obviously uh, i mean when you come and do something in a a horror genre uh it's already tough to do something that stands out obviously had success with saw uh but just hearing him have like that takes like hey you know i know this, this is a hard uh, trope to do so i'm just not gonna like try to do anything breakout to make it you know something new i'm just gonna make it like you know my way i'm gonna add my own twist like i said i because he did look like a good job um with the jump scares because he said a lot of them that he used and a lot of them that were just kind of teasers like the one where they were all like setting up the cameras and then the bathroom door opens and everyone's like looking and, all, and it just ends up being like a little joke the cop comes out he's like i had to go he's like well i had to go to the bathroom and then yeah. there's obviously the ones that like where somebody does pop out, or there's ones that he does it very subtly, like when uh, Lorraine is talking to, I believe the daughter's name is April, and she's got the music box and saying, "Hey, can mm-hmm. I meet your friend Rory?" And she sees it, and it's not a jump, it's not even like a jump scare. It's just like you see him in the mirror, and it goes yeah. away. Like he he didn't have like some people would probably just have something jump out, do that, but he like knew when to do it, when to you know actually make a scare when it's just something subtle. Uh, as well, I, I think he talked about the score being a big part. I mean, he got the same guy who did Insidious. I forgot to write his name down because I'm a bad podcast host. Uh, but it's the same guy from Insidious, and the score does help a lot. I think at times it did kind of kill me because I knew something was coming because obviously the music would get a little too intense. I kind of hoped that it would just stay like one tone when it would change. It, just, it would go like loud and then like just kind of like a mellow, mellow tone afterwards. Yeah, uh, I but think, yeah, um, like just 
hearing that definitely like changed my yeah everything like made me notice things differently and instead of going there be like oh there's just another demonic house like i looked at it differently and i think reading those interviews definitely helped me put it into perspective what's funny is that yeah you said that you know he's saying he doesn't want to he didn't want to reinvent you know a haunted house movie just wanted to paint a different color but he did this so well yeah don't you dare don't you dare say it like it it couldn't even help he didn't. He did not reinvent anything. Don't you dare say it. I will. As far don't as haunted house it. movie goes, don't you dare say it. I'll say it. Don't you dare say it. I'll say. It. I don't care. I don't care. I'm. This. This is a big week for me. I'll say whatever the fuck I want. All right. He reinvented the haunted house genre. We both can't be wrong this whole week. <laughs> well, the interesting <laughs> thing about what he does, it's like it's. No, nah, I respect that. Yeah. It's partially it's like it haunted so well. house, but it's mm-hmm. also like it's mostly haunted families. Like he's done it across two series now right you know like insidious is about a haunted family rather than a haunted house so i think that's kind of cool to see like the attachment to that and they bring it up in this movie too like wouldn't it just be easier to leave and get everyone out of the house yeah i'm glad they brought it up because they they attach itself to your family i'm glad they brought Um, it up and it was it was so simple too like some movies don't do that like it was just so simply brought up all like they made it flow as the scene asked them a simple question they didn't like linger on it they're like we just can't we like you know put our money here then once right. to take in seven kids, I was like, that's that's a good answer. You don't, don't have to go more. That's right. a quick, short answer that answered uh, pretty much every question of mm-hmm. horror movies. Like, why don't you just leave? I think what comes down to, like, this movie being so good and better than the other ones in this in this franchise, except except Annabelle Creation. I'll, I'll go to bat for that movie any fucking day of the week. I fucking love Annabelle Creation. Um, but besides that, these two movies only rely they they rely on the scare sequences you know what i mean like they 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 know how to direct them well to where it's not cheap whereas like the nun or you know the other two nfl <laughs> movies um those ones definitely do the ones where like they come out at you with the loud you know someone popping yeah. out with a loud yeah. shriek to get to get the cheap scare i think all of the scare sequences in this in the conjuring are incredibly well earned I don't think any are lazy or, I agree. or none, none yep. are for the shock factor. They're all there to serve a purpose. They do good. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, see, only I think... one. Oh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Cisco. I say, I was like, yeah, he did. Like I said, the suspense got me. Like I said, only one jump scare. I mean, it's hard for jump scares to get me because a lot of times they, I mean, even James Wan said it's a lot of the time. It's pretty predictable. The one that got me was the, yeah, the pictures falling down. Cause I definitely wasn't expecting that one. And at the same time, I had a package delivered. So I heard like a large knock. And so I got like triple scared because <laughs> my dog barked. I got freaked out. The movie dropped all the pictures. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, I do. I think that what makes it uh, makes it so scary and effective is that he kind of sets up a lot of what he wants to do later on earlier in the movie. Um, so like when you see the music box and you see like her mom looks into it, doesn't see anything. So you're yeah. like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then like later on, like you see kind of a, of a uh, reflection. And then yeah. like after that, it's like the there's like a person right in front of the box. Like she folds it closed and it's like right there. It's kind of cool. That's right. like building up the tension towards like yeah. what he, he really wants deal. to do with it. Yeah. He doesn't beat like, it. And it's horse, not just like, a, it, it's not a cheap diversion either. Like no. it, it really makes you think like, was there someone in that mirror? You know what I mean? Like, is there someone in that darkness? Like it really fucks with your mind. Like what are they seeing that I don't, you know? I, well, don't I think know. that yeah, it's so refreshing to see like horror movies without, having to have like all the gore and you know slasher aspects and stuff to kind of see yeah. like 
psychological and kind of just like it just plays with your mind you know right. and i think that yeah. that's what makes this so effective too yeah. we i know we talked a little bit about it but it just makes me think of it all, every time i watch these movies yeah, yeah. I, I think one big thing is just like the characters too are very like lifelike like the mom coming up to mm-hmm. them after like one of their i think like it was a lecture or something and she's like please if you know if you had kids would you do anything to protect them it wasn't like anything like over cheesy it was like it was like that's how something would act and yeah. like that when they got home they were all living in the living room together like i was like that's a normal thing like if someone was something was freaking out i was like i would do that like oh, it was like oh we're still sleeping in somewhere else like they were actually acting like you know they were traumatized like they were all staying in the living room uh even the dad was like he was a pretty sympathetic dad like he even said like you know at first i wasn't you know into it but he's like now you know i'm starting to believe it uh right so all these characters uh were which i like were a lot more i guess lifelike if you will and then mm-hmm, reacted right. how i think most people would would in a situation like that yeah i think i think all the characters were like very likable as well yeah and there was a couple of like little lines inserted in this movie of like humor and like a couple little jokes mm-hmm. and i was actually pretty surprised that all the jokes and the humor in this like worked for me like it actually yeah. like yeah. made me um like it made me chuckle a couple times watching this well, it's like a great like, balance of it, I think, yeah. where it's like, it's good to have like a little bit of those jabs and you're like, okay, these are people, not just yeah, characters right. in a horror yeah. movie. And I think like, in the mood. and I was just thinking about that too, about how like this was, you know, it's the first one of, well, now three, but Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga have like such a strong chemistry in this movie. Like yeah. you really believe them as like yeah. husband and wife. And like, I don't know, I'm a huge fan of Patrick Wilson, basically just from these movies and Insidious, like he just, he's perfect for these roles yeah and he's kind just, of made it like a name for himself and like in horror for sure mm-hmm. and it's like baby. it's it's crazy because it's Our not like a typical baby. horror you know it's like he's mm-hmm. you know a hero that you can actually root for in something like this where he's not doing something stupid every time you're like okay we're supposed to root for this person because they're not the killer but like you want right. to root for him because he's so smart and no, like they the only- try to work together to, <laughs> they're fearless too Right, like his biggest gripe of like, I guess you can say like the stupidest thing he wanted to do in these movies was take on these cases alone just because he's such a caring husband that he didn't want his yeah. wife to be fucking like traumatized again. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I, I, I back that. Yeah, and it's like something from past Good experience. Guy, it's yeah. not just like something out of nowhere where it's like, this is my wife, I want to take care of her. It's like, no, last time she did this, she was like, really messed up and didn't leave a room for eight days and it's like right. yeah that's a pretty good reason to not want her to do it anymore this gonna be like a new subgenre, like good guy horror you know good guy horror yeah i like it thank you um <laughs> a couple of other things i wrote down um i like the nod to the text chainsaw massacre during the opening yeah. credit scroll of them just talking about you know the the warrens it's always it's always creepy like in movies when they show like an animal like not wanting to go into a room because it just senses a presence there. So like the dog barking. Yep. That's my big gripe. Killing dogs is not unless it has Yeah, I forgot about that. I yeah. forgot about that. But you don't you don't see the act. You just kind of see like yeah. what else I wrote down. I thought the uh at one point there was there were CGI crows and I thought they looked really bad. Yeah, bird girl, I didn't baby. even notice. <laughs> it was very noticeable. Do you think they were throwing actual crows in the windows? Yeah. I did. <laughs> Just breaking over twenty million dollars. You have a you have a firm crow budget to work with. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I also wrote down, "Hey, OG podcast." When they're interviewing the family, (laughs) I was like, "That's fitting." 
Um, and then the last note I wrote was Bashima when Patrick Wilson like screams out its name. Yeah. And that reveal is so oh, fucking yeah. like, yeah. oh, like, I got goosebumps just thinking about it. Like, that's mm-hmm. incredible design. I looked it up. It's actually Bathsheba. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's not what my. Uh, it's spelled Bath oh, and then Sheba. That's not what my. That's not what my. Uh, also, his delivery during during all of that was like so good like at, at the last like note where he's like i condemn you back to hell like his delivery on that was yeah, just like it sounds pretty it sounds pretty like cheesy but like the way that he said it was like okay i that like i felt that it's yeah. weird that he Wait. was speaking latin the whole time up until that last sentence that's true trunks you said uh, you got something interesting yeah trunks what's yeah, your i fact? just no god damn it <laughs> uh, the one thing i wanted to jump in on real quick is just uh <laughs> they they kind of pointed out in the show but like ed and lorraine warren are real people these are yeah. based on true stories real. um and their most famous case is actually the amityville horror story yeah. um and mm-hmm. at the end of this one there's a reference to them needing to go check out some house in long island mm-hmm. right. uh, and then it? actually at the beginning of conjuring 2 there's kind of reference to like they just did this case and it went bad. So it's like the the events of Amityville Horror, like even though it's the most famous case of theirs, just kind of yeah. takes place in between two movies. So yeah. I, I've I always that, really approach, appreciated that. I like that James Wan didn't feel the need to revisit something that's already been visited in horror movies too. So it's kind of cool to like reference something and talk about yeah, something right. else that people don't really know. Yeah. I thought, um, I thought but, the whole Amityville Horror was uh, debunked as fake. Didn't the lawyer say that they made it up? Okay, that's what lawyers would say. I mean, the, the guy killed the family, so. <laughs> yeah. There are a couple of uh, things that I thought of. Um, I thought it was really funny at the beginning how they're like, we're nurses, we just want to help people. So we invited yeah. the spirit of this doll into the house. And it's like, yeah, you're not real smart. <laughs> well, that's, that's interesting, too, that the first thing you see in The Conjuring that kind of sets off this whole fucking universe is the Annabelle doll. Yeah, which I thought yeah. was pretty cool. I, I forgot that was like the intro. It's um, like an Easter again, egg or something that like hadn't maybe, even happened yet. Yeah. It's funny too. Yeah, Annabelle is like, not even that's even the Annabelle doll. She's a raggedy Ann doll. Like the real okay, Annabelle. We get it. She's a she's a real aggregate. We know that, Cisco. We know that. No, I'm saying like the actual doll is a raggedy Ann. But actually go watch a conjuring, uh not conjuring, Annabelle creation because at the end they give a doll and it's a raggedy Ann doll. So it's a little uh, yeah. man, if I was in bit. Man, I just punch Annabelle in the face. She ain't real. Okay, but it's but <laughs> what they point out is when we, you can't punch it in the face. I won't do anything. It's a conduit. Then I'll so you can kill myself and, and become it. a demon and punch her in the face. I, I'll call out a segue okay. now and say, like, <laughs> what would Brendan okay. Fraser do? Would he punch Annabelle in the face if he was facing Annabelle in the movie? No. Because uh, <laughs> he didn't punch anyone in the other movie. And also, it's Does interesting it? if you would survive in this because no one but he do. What he do? He'd, yeah. he'd show he'd show up to this house. So I think by default, I think my he'd answer show up to, is he'd show up to this house. They charge him twelve dollars. He get mad. And he'd show up to an, another horror movie. That's what he do, <laughs> and then get charged twelve dollars on that horror movie. Like Joe, that. Joe oh, just walked out. Joe just yeah, walked Joe, out. I didn't upset. walk out because I'm stuck. I'm literally I can't move my legs in this closet. <laughs> I cannot move. I move my office chair in here though, so I'm actually a lot more comfortable sitting here I mean, now than I have been. Do you? Would you really call what you do ninety percent of the time actually moving? Yeah. Yeah. Are we doing this? <laughs> into this. Cody laughed. That's all that matters to me. Cody I'm laughs here for jokes. 
<laughs> Cody just likes jokes, baby. He likes the jokes. You know, I like yeah. the jokes. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, that's. Oh well, yeah, what's the scenario? I don't, I don't. I don't have any other notes on the Conjuring unless you do, Cisco. I put that huh? it, it was shot in chronological order, which is yeah, that's true. That is true. That's cool. That. I like that. And then um, this is the first James Wan project without any sort of involvement with anyone else. Yeah. As well. He was a lone baby. He's a big boy. Lone wolf. But then brought him back for Insidious. So. I think. I think Insidious Insid- came out before. It came out before. Oh, yeah, it was before. You're right. It was before. Yeah. He was a big boy. He let go of Lee Winnell's hand after he saw how bad he acted and saw. <laughs> okay, and then Lee Winnell went to go direct upgrade and. Yeah, that's true. The Invisible Man. So yeah. who's laughing now? James Wan has one bad movie under his. Belt. I'd say I, I didn't say he can direct us. He can act. Anyone else doesn't have any. <laughs> All right. I'm just saying. I'm can't looking act, at you, though. Aquaman. You call me Jason Momoa. I'll take. I will you. never call you Jason Momoa. He's handsome, man. <laughs> call you Jason Momoa. Anyways. All right. Yeah. Let, let's uh, get into this. Is Ricky yeah, let's, let's... our Elvis impersonator surviving the events of the Conjuring? Uh, is he going to take the place? As Ed Warren, and he's trying to perform the exorcism on Carolyn. Is he? That was my question. I, I see him more as like the cop. Yeah, is the... <laughs> you mean the, the the guy who gets bit on the face? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's like survive. the only point of blood and gore you really see in the movie. Um, I don't know. I think I think he lives because no one else dies. So it's a survival. I think it's a survival. It just depends on what his role is. If it's like have... him alone with these, like this spirit, and he's gonna die. But yeah, like if, I think, Ed, if Ed and Lorraine are there, like there's no way anything's happening. Ashley Simpson ain't saving him. Here's the thing. He knows how to get out of a fucking weird situation. He proved that in Pawn Shop, right? He just throws twelve dollars at people. So he just throws twelve dollars at the demon. He sells his soul to the devil, which is but exactly then, yes. kind of what the problem yes. is. Yes, yeah. he does sell his soul to the devil. So yeah, I know Trunks, I know that's what Trunks is thinking, but is he gonna sell the soul to the devil and just duke it out with Bathsheba? Yeah, I feel like Trunks <laughs> is having a fucking heart attack over here. What's going on? Unmute yourself. I mean, freaking out. He, he wants. I, he, he want, there, There's no he, way he survives this movie. He sold his soul so quickly to the devil. Like he would be possessed within a minute, and there would be no coming back. Like he was so willing to just be like, "Yeah, possess me." He would be the Annabelle doll, like permanently possessed. There's Can nothing say, to save him here. I would love to see Brendan Fraser as an Elvis impersonator, uh, possessed by a demon. I. I would pay all my money for that movie. Yeah. Okay, so I'll just say it now. Trunks, you convinced me, baby. All right. He's, he's dead. Wow, it's been like, a while. I mean, well, I mean... I think just based on the fact that he did literally sell his soul to the devil in Pawn Shop is a great point. That's true, but and he got to keep really his... Like he got, with Trunks, but here we are. You know? He got to keep his free will. He didn't like have to die in the next minute. Okay, but we don't know that. I mean, we, we literally saw him go into a crowd of people and get delivered up. But then we don't know that. So we well, just Elijah, need the Pawn Shop Chronicles 2 well, to Elijah really Wood, tell us. Yeah. Well, well, Elijah Wood came out of nowhere looking. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, does Bathsheba really kill the person she obsess, uh, possesses? Hasn't she used that person to kill people? Well, she was going to until she yeah, was I mean, stopped. Yeah, yeah, but she was, yeah, she's gonna, oh, she was yeah, about used to firmly to kill those kids. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying is, that, is, is Brendan Fraser getting, is he getting killed by Ashley Simpson possessed? Yeah. Or is he possessing and killing... Everyone in that uh, barber shop. <laughs> hmm. Like what's, what's going on? Is how, he being, venge- is he being... how vengeful is Rick? Uh, I mean, he Rick O'Connell, much... not vengeful. He threw Rick, Ashley. Ricky? Sorry, Ricky. Yeah. Sorry. He, he threw he threw Ashley something to the street as soon as he got success. Yeah. 
I mean, granted, she ditched him first. So, oh, she know, literally not... dumped him in the street. Yeah, eye for an eye. And if by the way, anyone... just real quick about that movie. Did you guys watch the um, like the bloopers at the end? I watched uh, the bloopers. Not even. But apparently, bloopers. there's a post credit scene too. I just watched the bloopers, and I was like, I can't believe I'm wasting my time on that. Yeah, <laughs> but it was just a bunch of Brad and Fraser just like ad living. Exactly. <laughs> I loved I it. it. Um, Cody's a I think. I think he sells his soul to Bathsheba in exchange yeah. that he lets her use his body to kill children. In exchange, she lets him gives him the success to go and be an impersonator in a small town of wherever they're living at. Uh-huh. So I think he, I think he becomes a double person. Fair enough. Okay, I, agree. I, give, Fair I enough. give it a tie. I give it a tie. Um, I'll, I'll set on a tie. I'll I think. Yeah, I, I don't no think ties. Like there's this a tie. is America. No, there's ties. I mean, I get, I get what you're just coming this from. Isn't, this isn't 2005 who's, who's, San Diego uh, crab core band sever your ties, okay? There could be a tie here. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. There's like three people who's going to get that sever your ties reference. And one I'll of them. you know this podcast, podcast ran two minutes too long is when Joe's talking about some band from the mid-2000s. Okay, do you want to choose the podcast? You either choose this or this is the hospital. This. This. <laughs> I don't know. This, this, this podcast is turning to be more, uh, you know, tragedy rather than triumph am i right oh my no. god there's like literally the only people that will get that are in, are on the podcast right now hey fight fair <laughs> shut up I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you all right well i i say because i don't i don't know if bathsheba is going after him then yeah i think he's dead like if she possesses someone else but if okay. she's trying to possess brendan fraser then i think they just coexist together and she gets at uh, night he becomes a child killer during the day. He does some country fairs and lives a peaceful, wealthy life. That's my take. I think that's a pretty good life. I think he survives. I think I'm going to say, I'm going I'm to draw it. I'm going to mix up the pot a little bit. Oh, my God. oh, Cody's pissed. He wanted a firm winner this episode. Cody, ultimately, Cody's vote counts as two. So, Cody, you get the winning vote. Oh, yeah. yeah. He has the baby. Ricky's dead. Okay. Fine. We'll take it. Uh, all right. This is why oh, I'm yeah. Trunk's favorite. Right. <laughs> Okay, everyone is Trunks' favorite. He's just so nice. <laughs> Trunks is the nicest person in the group, 100%. I heard Trunks angrily call us out once during the game of Among Us, and I was like, Jesus Christ, I don't want to ever unearth what we just brought up again. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, I've seen him grab a couple eggs. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Yeah, that about wraps it up for this week's episode. Ricky dies, right? We agreed on he died. He dies. I'll, I'll do the caveat. I'll do the caveat that he loses his free will and he becomes Bathsheba's new host. Okay. So his body's still there, but his his uh his soul, I guess, if you will, is gone. It belongs to the Sheba. Okay. And her slew of goblin girls and crow girls. No boys this week, people. Girls only. Okay. All right. I agree with that. Yeah. So that that's it for this episode. If you're still listening, if our you know. San Diego band rant didn't didn't turn you off of this, then thank you. And if you want to stick around, I believe there will be another episode when I drop this about we're going to talk about The Conjuring 3. The Devil Made Me Do It. Um, Cisco and I are going to watch this weekend. Uh, Cody, are you going to the theaters to see it? Yeah, I'm going Friday. Okay. So do you want, I was going to say, if you want to come Saturday with me and Sam, we're going to go see it. I have to work Saturday, but I want to also talk about it. 
Do you, okay, do you work on Sunday? I'm just going to we'll be probably... official fourth member of the podcast at this well, point. Well, just because since since you're on this Conjuring episode, we might as well bring you back for the for the <laughs> review one for three. So, well, we'll talk. Our our producer <laughs> will get in touch with your producer, which your people talk to my people. With ultimately is your child. Your child is your producer, or are you the producer because you produced her? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> right. On that note, that's a good bit. On that note, thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Horror Throwdown podcast. Um, Does if you Cody like have listening to, plug? to us, Cody has literally nothing to plug. I, I haven't even gotten to that yet. Let me finish. I think my I already bit. did that. Am I right? Let me finish my yeah. bit. Oh, I get it. The section. All right. <laughs> yeah, Cody, do you have anything to plug except, uh, you know, you want to give out your Venmo in case anyone wants to give you money for diapers or something? I don't know. What's a, what's a new Starbucks thing to get? All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll, buy you. we'll buy you some diapers. Please don't drink Starbucks. My fraps. Yeah, we're, I, we're, we're a Dunkin' Donuts. That's what I plug. Right I don't like Dunkin' Donuts. Krispy Kreme all the way. I'm not talking about Dunkin' Donuts. I'm talking about Dunkin' Don- Dunkin's coffee. No, well, I'm talking about Krispy Kreme Donuts now. <laughs> all right, well, now I want Krispy Kreme Donuts. Hey. On that note, we're going to get some Krispy Kreme donuts. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Horror Throwdown Podcast. If you like listening to us talk about horror and Brendan Fraser, please like, rate, subscribe. Uh, we will get our social medias back soon. I've been saying that for weeks, but uh, God damn it, I will finally Just do, do it, it already. Fuck off. Uh, next week, what, what are we doing next week? Are we doing 2002? We're doing 2013 and 2002. I think we're doing two, or we're we just going to do Jordy's episode? Well, this is 2013. Because <laughs> uh, well, Jordy wants to do Bedazzled, and we just want to I know we're getting literally bullied into doing that episode. Okay, yeah. So join us next week. We're going to be doing the year 2002 with Bedazzled and Final Destination. That's going to be a fun one. Um, again, find us wherever you listen to your podcast. Cody, thank you again so much for being here. You're welcome anytime. And I guess we'll talk to you this weekend about The Conjuring 3. Yep. Be here. Um, again, I am Joseph Kincaid, Cisco Navarro, producer of Trunks. We are signing off for the Horror Throwdown podcast. We'll see you next week. The King, baby. Hi, Benny!